This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We're about to hear Vincent Price in the role of the saint. I love the title of this episode, Cupid and the Corpse. Vincent Price was an American actor known for his performances in horror films. His career spanned other genres, too. Uh, drama, mystery, thriller, comedy. He appeared on stage, television, radio, and more than 100 films. He has two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures, the other for television. And it might surprise you to learn that he was an art collector and consultant with a degree in art history. He lectured, wrote books on the subject. Additionally, he was the founder of the Vincent Price Art Museum in California. He was also a noted gourmet cook, and I found this fun fact I thought I'd include in tonight's description. Price often spoke of his pleasure playing Egghead in the Batman television series. Now, one of his co-stars, Yvonne Craig, who played Batgirl, said Price was her favorite villain in the series. In an oft-repeated anecdote from the set of Batman, Vincent Price, after a take ended started throwing eggs at series stars Adam West and Burt Ward. And when asked to stop, he replied, With a four artillery? Not a chance! Causing an egg fight to erupt on the soundstage. That must have been a fun shoot that day, huh? Well, let's get to tonight's episode that was first broadcast in 1950. Adventures of the Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charles and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. You know something, Simon, darling? Something, Van. Among them, the fact that you're a very disturbing person. Mm, <laughs> perhaps that's my answer, then. Answer to what, may I ask? Why, you phoned me the moment I returned from Bermuda. I've been wondering why you're going to ply me with a football game, a dinner, and a play. Oh, why not just relax and enjoy it? I'd like to. <laughs> Particularly when I remember that last evening we spent together in Bermuda. Before you had to fly back to the States on some nasty murder business or other. Yes, that was quite an evening, wasn't it? Quite. Mm. You know, you're very beautiful. I've always enjoyed your thinking so, Simon. Well, inasmuch as I have a tremendous distaste for murder interfering with moonlight, I now intend to take up where we left off. 
not a football game. Oh, well, it'll be a good game. As a matter of fact, it had better be. The trouble I had digging up tickets for it. <laughs> well, here we are, Anne. My, how things have changed since I was in Bermuda. Imagine they're now holding football games in cigar stores instead of stadiums. This happens to be Tony Cartago's little establishment. There's an office inside where Tony conducts his main business, which consists of handling bets and scalping tickets. Oh, you do know the loveliest people, Simon. For which you should offer thanks. We couldn't get any seats to today's game otherwise. Tony has a couple for us. Oh! Well, didn't your mother ever tell you that it's not polite to go running into people that way? I'm terribly sorry. I I didn't see you. My apologies. Not bad. Nice manners, too. I wonder why she came tearing out of Tony's that way. If you're interested, Tony can probably tell you. I wonder where I've seen that girl before. Some harpy's huddle, I imagine. (laughs) Come on, let's go in. Some place. I bet you couldn't buy cigars in here for love or money. Well, I'm not sucker enough to lay odds against that. Uh, the real business is conducted right in here. <laughs> Hiya, Tony. I want you to meet... Simon. <sighs> you better stand back in. My old grandmother would often say, yikes. Yes, I see. He's been shot, hasn't he? I'm afraid so. He's still alive, though. Hey, Tony. Tony, who did it? Can you hear me, Tony? Who gunned you? No, I didn't. Duke, he knows. It's me, Tony. Templar, who shot you? Don't know. Barnes effect. Bring that. Uh, uh. Oh, Simon, is he? He is. Well, there's nothing to do but call the police. Why, Simon, the saint calling in the police on a case? What's happened to you? It's very simple, Anne. I'm much more interested in the beautiful woman. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, why don't you call them? Oh, a visitor. Two visitors, darling, a man and a gun. That phone's getting kind of heavy, ain't it, Mr. Phone? Oh, yes, yes. Come to think of it, it is kind of heavy at that. I'll take care of it. That's better. You know, you're the second person we've met today who should read Emily Post. Don't you know it isn't polite to point at people, particularly with a gun? Shut up. And it's also impolite to tell people. Shut up. Uh, You see what he means, darling. He wants you to shut up. Oh, is that it? I wondered what he was driving at. That's very fun. I'm so glad you liked it. So I have a better routine. It goes like, give me that gun. Oh, you know what he was picking up? Simon, get up, Simon. Get up. You killed him. Oh, no, he's just sleeping. Maybe that gun over his head will learn him a thing or two. But you... And if you're smart, you won't kick up any fuss. He just as soon kiss you, too. Kiss me? Yeah, with the butt of my gun. Now relax, baby. Simon, wake up! Oh, come on, Simon, wake up! Well, let's leave a later call. Simon! All right, Anne. Hey, what goes on here? We're tied up. Yes. Pete thought we'd be more tractable that way. You know something? He's right. Where are we? 
How'd we get here? Uh, Pete, he's the guy who conked you. And a buddy of his named Louie brought us here. It's a warehouse of some kind. We're in one of the storage bins on the first floor. Uh, nice. Are we stored away for the winter? No. No, with a little luck, we'll be out of here in five minutes. Mistaken identity, and I'm not Superman. And these ropes are pretty tight and strong. Darling, yours may be, but mine aren't. I've had them loose enough to throw off for 15 minutes. I was just waiting for you to wake up. Well, now, don't tell me you're a superwoman. No. No, I owe it all to dear, sweet Louie. When I looked at him piteously out of my big blue eyes, he just couldn't tie me up too tightly. I worked myself free while you were sleeping soundly in the corner. Never again will I underestimate the persuasive powers of women. <laughs> now, see what you can do about getting me loose. All right. There's a little knife in my vest pocket that might help. Uh, this pocket? Right. Oh, be careful. I'm ticklish. Oh, I've got it. You know, Simon, I just remembered who that girl was we saw running out of Tony's place. Yeah? Who is she? Betty Streeter. She... Ah, there. That fixes up your hands. Thanks. Now, let's have the knife. I'll get my legs loose myself. Here. Betty Streeter, huh? Mm-hmm. The luscious lollipop whose picture's been in the newspapers lately over an engagement or something? Yes, that's right. She's engaged to Jack Landers, an old boyfriend of mine. Oh. Oh, lucky girl. Jack is so handsome and fascinating. It's very interesting. There. Now the legs are loose. Now let's see if I can stand up. There. How do you feel? Outside of that bomb burst in my head and the fact that my legs are apparently cut off at the knee. Simon, someone's coming. Slip those ropes over you and lie down on the floor quick. Okay, Simon. When he comes in, make with those baby blues and attract his attention for a minute. I'll be behind the door. And then what? Well, I won't be dealing a hand of canasta. Quiet now. Hello, Petey. How do you feel? Fine, baby, fine. Just come back to... Hey, the boyfriend, where is he? Here I am, Pete, with a peachy key. Ha ha! Now that's what I call more like it. Come on, on your feet. Yeah. I'd better pick up Pete's pop gun. Right, now, let's get out of here. Now, that's the first sensible thing you've said today. Let's... What's that noise, Simon? I don't know, but it sounds like my head feels. There's no time to delve into strange noises now, my sweet. Come on, let's go quietly. You know, I wonder if Louie, the other mug, is hanging around. No, no. After Pete searched you and didn't find anything, I heard him say he was going to report to the boss. I guess he's still reporting, then. Place seems deserted. Oh, look, there's the front door. Let's head for it. Well, oh, it's certainly nice to be out of there. Yeah. What was the name of that girl again, Ed? Girl? Oh, Betty Streeter. Why? Look at the sign on this building. Sign? Simon! It says Streeter's Warehouse. Yeah, that's what it says, doesn't it? Come on, Anne, let's find out what this is all about. Uh, Simon, darling, I thought you were going to call the police. Anne, darling, that was before Petey hit me over the head with his gun barrel. Oh, I was afraid of that. Okay, what's our first stop? Well, first, we find ourselves a nice telephone directory. May I ask why? To find out what street the streeters live on. <laughs> Yes, well... Anne. Hello, Jack. Remember me? Remember you? Oh, Anne, sweetheart, if you don't think so, get a load of this. 
Jack, that's a rather warm <laughs> greeting after all these years. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Uh, Simon, I, I want you to meet an old friend of mine, Jack Landers. Jack, this is Simon Templer. Glad to see you, Templer. Mm, but not as glad as you are to see you. Uh, well, not quite. Come on in. Thank you. Yeah, what are you folks doing here, anyhow? We came to see Betty Streeter. Uh, this is where she lives, isn't it? Betty? Mm. Yes. Remember the girl you're engaged to? <laughs> sure. Run along. She's in the living room with her father. Uh, say, by the way, Landers, uh, have you got a handkerchief? Handkerchief? Yeah, of course. Why? Well, I have heard that misplaced lipstick is a better detonator for atomic blast than plutonium. And before the two gals... Oh, well, maybe you're right, Templar. <laughs> well, Betty... Simon! Holy smoke, what was that? Well, either Betty's involved in a premature explosion or they were shots. Come on, let's see. The living room, Templar, to the left. I'm with you. Stay back, Anne. Betty! Really, oh, Jack, someone shot at us through the window. Dad's hurt. He, he Look would... after Mr. Steeter, Jack. I'll take care of the guy at the window. He'll be careful, Simon. He may still be out here. Now she tells Let me get a crack at him, Templar. Did you get him, Jack? I think I got him in the leg. He stumbled after the first shot, but he got away in that car. Well, now that quiet has descended once again, it might be pertinent to inquire as to the state of Mr. Streeter's health. Oh, it, it's nothing serious. Just a slight flesh wound. A slight wound, is it? Feels like my whole dad blasted arm has been torn off. Any idea who was so interested in perforating the streeter's skin, Mr. Streeter? Yeah, I'll say I have. It was one of the... Dad, Dad, there's no need to talk like that now. Oh, bastard Betty, there's no reason for me to hide things. That crook's been trying to chisel in on my warehouse business for over a year. He's taken one of them over already. You couldn't possibly be talking about uh, Duke Raymond, could you? That's right, Templar. He threatened Mr. Streeter before. Looks as though he sent one of his gunmen around to enforce that threat. Oh, you've got to give in to him, Dad. The next time you won't be so lucky. You ought to realize now that he won't stop at anything. Give in? Nonsense. I hate to sound mercenary, Mr. Streeter, but uh, how much would it be worth to you to get your skirts cleared of Duke Raymond? How much would it be worth? Mm -hmm. Who are you? My name's Simon Templer, if that means anything. The, the saint? I'll confess it. Does that startle you, Miss Streeter? Oh, why, 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 no, not at all. I, I just didn't expect it. Of course, it. after all, only sinners need be frightened by saints. Well, Mr. Streeter, what do you say? Uh, all right, I'll make you an offer. $10,000 if you get Duke Raymond out of the way. Nothing if you don't. You've just made yourself a deal. Simon, you taking money for a case? Well, juries award damages for broken hearts, Anne. And you have no idea how badly I feel about letting Cupid down. <laughs> Miss Morley, this is our famous riverfront. How do you like it? I don't. Now, there's the spot we're heading for. Do you see it? Well, I see some speedboats moored at a dock, if that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Any particular reason for coming here? Mm, the usual reason. We're going for a little boat ride. Uh, how much for the ride, buddy? Uh, Twelve miles south, 12 miles back for a buck. That's fair enough. Come on, Ann, let's get in. You know, the more I think about this, Simon, the crazier I think you are. Why would anyone want to travel 12 miles out into the ocean? To see Duke Raymond, of course. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. uh, he's playing Father Neptune on top of a wave, I presume. Not exactly. You'll see when we get out there. And I'll expect a great big apology for those words when we get back. You mean, if you get back, don't you, Temple? Simon. Yeah, I 
see. That man's here again. Tell me, Petey, my friend, what are you doing here? Are you coming along for a ride? That's right, pal. Uh, you know, after paying a buck for 12 miles out and 12 miles back, I think I've got a right to be particular about the kind of company I have. Well, don't let it bother you, pal. This gun in my hand makes us equals. Besides, you better pay only half a buck. Why only half a dollar, Petey? Because it's cheaper by the dozen, right, Petey? Yeah, yeah, you'll get the idea, pal. You may be going 12 miles out, but I don't think you're ever coming back. Pete, this ride hasn't been very comfortable so far. That gun sticking in my back irritates me. Yeah, yeah. Too bad, isn't it? Uh, sympathetic soul, aren't you? Oh, well, the ride's nearly over. There's Duke Raymond up ahead. That's funny. I don't see anything but an old freighter out there. That's it, lady. The Black Deuce. The Black Deuce? Quaint name, isn't it? It's a quaint ship. Gambling is the special thing. And I always thought that was against the law. That's when you're 12 miles out and you're Duke Raymond, it isn't. You see... Simon, isn't that a cabin cruiser coming up behind us? Yeah, it's coming up fast, too, and no lights on. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. Oh, don't worry, Pete. It's just pulling ahead of us. Yeah, I guess... Hey! Hey, what do you think you're doing? Simon, the boat's turned toward us. Gonna run into it. Look out! You're gonna ram us! You're gonna... How you doing, Ann? Oh, all right. So far. But not much. Just a couple of more strokes. You'll do it. Keep it up. There we go. Just two more now. Speedboat moored to the Black Buse. Which reminds me, it's time to go to work. Oh, you're, you're not actually going aboard that ship, are you? That was my original intention, wasn't it? Besides, Pete and his boyfriend will drown if I don't get help out to him. Oh, and you've got to earn that $10,000. As I know. Yeah, right as usual, Angel. Now, listen closely. Do you know how to run a speedboat? Yes, yes, I do. Why? Well, I've got a funny idea you're going to have to run one in a very few minutes. Pete was supposed to bring in part in the wet clothes this damp sea air, you know. Where's Pete? The last time I saw him, he was hanging onto a wrecked speedboat a couple of hundred yards away. Hanging onto him? Come on, get down to cases, Templar. What's the racket? Uh, Duke, I have a funny hunch you're going to lay off Streeter's business. Am I? What makes you think so? A possible murder rap? Keep talking, Templar. Tony Cartago was bumped off. Why? You're so smart, you ought to know. Maybe I do. I'd guess it was because he knew too much about bonds. 
bond. Yeah, you know, securities, negotiable ones worth a lot of dough. Where'd you get that idea? From Tony. He talked before he died. He mentioned you and Barnes. Tony always talked too much. You talk too much, too. Mm, yeah, I'm beginning to get what you mean. I thought you would. You know, Duke, there you are, sitting behind that desk with a gun in your hand. I wonder. You wonder what? I wonder how you'd look with that desk on top of you. <laughs> Too bad, Duke. You missed me. Sorry, I can't do the same. Oh. Well, imagine that. Duke Raymond sleeping during business hours. <laughs> You'll never get ahead that way, old boy. Horatio Alger would positively frown upon you. <laughs> Nice going, Anne. Thank you kindly for picking me up out of the water. If I'd known what was going to happen, I wouldn't have. When I saw you dive off that rail and all those people started shooting at me. Oh, just a necessary unpleasantness, my sweet. I had to get some information from Duke about Bond. Bond? You going to play the market? Right now I'm playing the field. There's a murder in it. And I'm going to start at Mr. Streeter's warehouse. is over to the left side. Sure, but we're going next door. And just what do you expect to find there, Sherlock? A printing press, of course. There, you see? The Travers Printing Company. Well, I see it, but I can't understand it. How did you know this place was here? And why look for a printer? Tony Cartega told me to look for one just before he died. And as for this place, you remember the thumping noise we heard as we were leaving the warehouse? Why, of course. It was made by a printing press. Sure, that's what I thought. Well, shall we go in? At this hour? It's so dark, nobody will be in there. Two facts would impress me no end. Well, let me see. I should have some keys in my pocket. Why bother? That door's already partially open. You're right. Oh. Black as pitch in here. Can't risk a light until we're sure it's empty. There's a crack of light over there. Seems to come from a doorway into another room. I wonder if... Ah! Oh. What's the matter? I, I hit my foot against something. Something soft. You don't say. Suppose you look up at the ceiling while I shine this pencil flash down. <gasps> oh, Simon. Perfectly expressed. He's dead, isn't he? Well, if he's not, he ought to be. He's been tied up, gagged, strangled, and shot in the leg. Who is he? I think he's the gentleman who tried to kill Mr. Streeter. Well, how do you... Because Jack shot him in the leg, remember? It's probably Mr. Travers, the printer. He... What is it, Simon? Why'd you turn off the light? Because that light in the other room just went out, and I hate to be a nonconformist. Where are you going? I'm going to step over there and see what's up. Oh, be careful. Simon! Simon, are you all right? I'm not sure, but I'll risk it from going after him. Oh, look out, Simon. He's a killer. <laughs> What's wrong? Whoever it was locked and bolted this door, I'll have to kick it down. Watch you. Someone may still be in there. You have the most pessimistic thoughts. Wait till I find the light switch. Well, nobody's here. 
He must have gone out that window. And if I hadn't been idiot enough to bump into something in the dark, this case might have been over by now. Either that or you'd have been dead. I... That funny hissing sound. That? It's the flame under that lead pot over there. What's cooking? Oh, printers use them to melt their old linotype slugs in. Yes, but why would that be going now? Do you think the killer left... There was a reason I wanted you along tonight. You've just hit it. There's the typeface. Yes. And see those engraved copper and zinc plates on that work table? Mm-hmm. If we'd come in a few minutes later, they'd have been in that lead pot. But what are they? Oh, not so good at reading upside down and backwards, but... Uh, 6% adventures, state of secured highway taxes. Oh, so that's it. What? Would you mind explaining, Simon? Later, darling. First, I've got a little surprise party to prepare. Surprise party? Yeah, as soon as I remove the handkerchief gag from Mr. Travers, send a message to Duke Raymond and make a few phone calls, we'll go to the scene of the party. How nice. Now, what's going to happen there? What usually happens at a surprise party? Oh, don't tell me. I know. One very foxy murderer is going to get a great big surprise. So the surprise party is going to be at Tony Cartago's place. Right you are, Ann. There it is now. What's going to happen, Simon? All I know is that you called a lot of people in a disguised voice and told them something about Bonds and Tony. Why? Well, if you'll look inside the cigar store, what do you see? Well, there's a light inside. Correct. That must mean one of the guests has arrived. Look quiet as we go in. I want to see if that's an early bird or a worm. Seems to be awfully busy looking for something. Let's help the poor soul find it. Hello, Betty. Oh. What's the matter, Betty? Looking for some bonds? Bonds? Uh, the ones you were called about this morning. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Not that, Betty. That'll never do. However, I wasn't the one who called you this morning. How did you know about that? Hey, will you join the party? Jack. Hello, dear. All right, Templar, what's this all about? Hello, gentlemen. Nice of you to come, Mr. Streeter. Jack, I was just talking to Betty about that phone call of this morning. What did you call her say, Betty? Something about your father's life being endangered over some bonds and that you'd better get down here fast to save him? My life in danger? What kind of nonsense is that? It wasn't nonsense to Betty. She came down here all right. We walked in right after Betty left and found Tony Cartago dead. Now, just a minute. You're making a pretty dangerous accusation there, Templar. Happens to be true. Mr. Streeter, Duke Raymond forced you to sell him that warehouse next to the Travers Printing Company, didn't he? Yes. And it took a lot of force. He ruined the business by destroying merchandise, wrecking trucks, usual racketeering methods. I had to sell to stop losing money. Maybe you better not talk so much, Streeter. Yeah. Maybe won't be healthy. Well, 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 more gas. Duke Raymond and Pete. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Templar. What gives here? Well, now, that's a rather silly question, Duke. You came here looking for bonds, didn't you? So your message was a frame, huh, chum? Only in a manner of speaking, chum. Someone in this room owed you money from gambling, didn't they, Duke? And promised to pay in negotiable securities to be left until called for here at Tony Cartagos. It's your story, Templar. Keep talking. But when Pete came to pick up the bonds for you, they were missing, and Tony was dead. It's lucky for you, too. If you tried to sell those bonds, you'd have been arrested. They were forgeries. 
Follies? You sure about that? I know it, and I can prove it. Surprise, surprise, surprise. What do you think of your gambling friend now, Duke? The dirty double crosser. With all that dough in the family, too. Oh, low gun rat is gonna get. No, you don't, Duke. Stop right there. Simon, he's got a gun. Jack. Oh, no, Jack, not you. Pretty sharp, aren't you, Templar? Got it all figured out. Oh, I've been known to get around, Landers. Anyway, it was rather obvious. Particularly after you kissed Anne. After he kissed me? What did that have to do with it? Well, you see, Anne... I got something to say first. (laughs) He's dead. Yes, good old Pete. He never misses. There, there, my dear. Thanks for keeping him busy while I went for my gun. Oh, think nothing of it, Pete. And to show my appreciation... Here! What? What's the big idea, Duke? Let's not be hasty, shall we? I've got a gun, too. The one I borrowed from you aboard your ship. Get on the phone, Anne. Call the police. You bet, Simon. Right away. As for you, Mr. Streeter, get out your checkbook. The amount is 10000 payable to your favorite charity. Your friend Duke Raymond won't bother you again for a long, long time. <laughs> another drink in. No, thank you, Simon. I suppose I should thank you for a lovely day. Mm, it had its points, but the football game might have been more exciting. I doubt it, but I still need some answers. But don't you see, Anne? Jack was terrified when he couldn't pay Duke the huge gambling debt he owed him, so he hit on the idea of forging bonds. He had Travers print them. But I still don't understand why he killed Travers. Well, he had to make sure that Travers wouldn't talk. So when Jack went to the print shop to destroy the evidence of the forged plates, he destroyed Travers, too. Yes, but why was Tony killed? Tony held the bonds for Duke. But when he discovered they were forged, he called the streeter home. Yes. Betty got the message and hurried down to see what it was all about. She thought Tony was talking about her father. And Jack was there, overheard the conversation, and beat her to Tony. Right. And he tried to kill us with a cruiser to stop us from getting Duke's store. Mm-hmm. He's a busy little man. Okay, mastermind. I guess I've got it. Except for that crack about the kiss. How come you knew Jack Landers was guilty because he kissed me? Lipstick, Anne. What? Lipstick? Yeah. You see, after you kissed him, he had lipstick all over his face. When I called it to his attention, he wiped it off with his handkerchief. And the handkerchief that gagged Travers had... Lipstick on it, too. Oh. And to think that just because he kissed me, he's dead. I wouldn't feel that way about it if I were you. Your kisses wouldn't kill anyone, and I can prove it. Can you, Simon? Sure. What? There, see? I guess you're right. Oh, please don't agree so quickly, Anne. Why not? I'm seriously considering making a lifetime work out of proving it. You've been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here's our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, in tonight's cast, you heard Shirley Mitchell... Barbara Eiler, Jack Moyles, Tom Brown, Edmund McDonald, and Anthony Barrett. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the Saints. Good night. 
Stay tuned for The Life of Riley, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. The American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley, a half hour with radio's friendliest family, and starring William Bendix as Riley. And now, The Life of Riley. Well, it's a fine spring evening in the suburb of Los Angeles where the Rileys live. War worker Riley has just returned to the bosom of his family and is receiving a communique on current events at home. Hey, Pop, are you going to be busy after dinner? I don't know what you and your wife. Well, you know that rabbit hut you built me? Yeah. Well, I think we've got to add some guest rooms. Not then, don't, Junior. When I built you that hutch, I explained to you that it was only for one rabbit. I know, Pop, but you should explain it to the rabbit. <laughs> Say, uh, how's about starting dinner, Dumplin'? Just a minute, dear. What's your hurry? Uh, I'm just using strategy. Just once I want to reach for some meat without getting slashed by your Uncle Baxter. <laughs> How you exaggerate. Uncle Baxter isn't a big eater. Of course, he does like to nibble now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the way he nibbles. <laughs> this morning, there was a foxhole in the chocolate cake. Well, last night he had a headache. He thought a bite to eat would draw the blood from his head. What we need is something to draw his head from the icebox. <laughs> oh, hello, Daddy. Hello, Beth. Dad, what were you talking about when I came in? Well, I was saying that your mother's uncle is... Never a... mind, Riley. Hmm. No free speech anymore. Well, my dear children uh, Hello, Uncle Hello. Now, don't tell me it's dinner time already <laughs> We don't have to tell you You got a stomach with a built-in clock Well, <laughs> uh, yes, working outdoors certainly does sharpen one's appetite Yeah uh, Uncle Baxter, tell me one thing Did you pull up them weeds in the backyard? No, but I did something more important I counted them you counted them Precisely mm. The breeding habits of weeds fascinate me There are 82 more weeds today than there were yesterday Uncle Baxter, you promised Riley you'd weed the victory garden for him Oh, and so I shall Next week um, Until then, I shall be busy writing an article for Better Homes and Gardens Entitled, Take Heed, the Weeds <laughs> Baxter, if you don't get a job pretty soon, you're going to find moss growing on you. And then I'll write an article entitled, Take Hold, the Mold. <laughs> for goodness sake, stop bickering, you uh, two. Oh, I almost forgot, Uncle Baxter. Here's a letter came for you. Oh, for me? Well, it's from my brother Buckley in New York. Excuse me, I must see what good old Buckley has to say. Oh, what's Uncle Buckley say? And we'll see as soon as I find my glasses. <laughs> if I know that big mouth, he'll have plenty to say. Now, Riley, you only met Uncle Buckley once at our wedding. What a chiseler. I invite him to the wedding. He eats all the sandwiches, drinks all the charged water, dances with all the dames. Then for a wedding present, he offers me a free chance on a punch board. <laughs> he meant to buy us a real gift later on, but you know with Uncle Buckley, he'd have $1,000 one day and nothing the next day. 
Well, I met him. It must have been the next day. <laughs> children, children, great news. My brother Buckley's ship has come in at last. Listen to this. Dear Baxter, glad to hear how well you are doing with the Riley. What he means is how well you are doing the rally. <laughs> I am now president of a million-dollar concern which is rapidly expanding. Could let you in on the ground floor, wish you were here to discuss. But of course you have your own large affairs to think of. Ah, that's the way it always was with Buckley. Have a thousand dollars one day and a million dollars the next. Hey, Baxter, mm -hmm. if you was in New York, he'd give you a good job, wouldn't he? Yes, he does seem eager to have me by his side. <laughs> Uncle Baxter, I just had one of my greatest ideas. Seeing that Uncle Buckley needs you, why don't you go to New York? What, and leave you all to shift for yourselves? <laughs> oh, no, I couldn't be so selfish. But, Uncle Baxter, if it meant a new start for you, we wouldn't mind your going. We'll be brave. <laughs> but children, this little nest has become home to me Ah, this little nest will not miss one little bird <laughs> A vulture <laughs> It would be the making of you, Uncle Baxter New York, what a town The Empire State The Waldorf Astoria The Fulton Fish Market <laughs> Riley, Uncle Baxter hasn't enough money to go to New York. But he's going to have. Oh, I've got a little dough saved up, and I'm going to use it to start Baxter climbing up the ladder of success to Uncle Buckley's ground floor. What do you say? Oh, Riley, that's a wonderful idea. You know, it does sound attractive, huh? By Jove, I'll do it. a boy, Uncle Baxter. Right after Grub, you and me are going downtown and buy a ticket on the fastest train they've got. <laughs> We've been in line here for three hours. You're next, Riley. Go on, speak up. Speak up. Uh, yes, sir. What is it, please? Uh, we want a reservation for New York. A drawing room will do. On your fastest train. <laughs> uh, uh, what year do you want to go? <laughs> the best trains are sold out months in advance. Next, please. Uh. Uh. Have you any trains going to New York? A any trains at all? Anything with a lower berth? Berth? We haven't even got a chair for three weeks. Well, my dear fellow, I've got to get to New York immediately. There must be some way. Sure. Can you operate a hand car? Hey, bud. How about a bus for New York? There's anything with seats in <laughs> Hey, Joe, here's a guy who wants a seat to New York. <laughs> Riley, have pity. We've been all over town. There's no way to get to New York. Maybe you could take a trolley. Keep asking for transfers. <laughs> look, look, there's a place. The Crow Flies Travel Bureau. I am not going to New York by crew. <laughs> Look at that sign. Go east by bus. Only $21. Come on, let's try this. This shabby place? How can they get me to New York for $21? Well, this guy can do it cheap because he's down in the basement and he ain't got no overhead except the street. Well, what'll it be, gents? The Crow Flies Travel Bureau at your service. But that uh, Riley's my name. My, my uncle here wants to go to New York by bus. 
New York, eh? Yeah. You mean New York, New York? <laughs> yeah, right outside of Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> well, I'll get you to New York in a jiffy. I mean, for $21? Absolutely. I don't believe it. Uncle, you're practically standing right in Times Square. Now, let's see. Uh, where are we now? Uh, well, that's a nice way to start. We're in Los Angeles. Okay. We start from Los Angeles, and we jump you over the pothole of Texas. Texas? So far south? Texas. There's a place I always wanted to see. Uncle Baxter, you're a lucky guy. And from Texas, he goes right to New York, huh? Well, practically. Mm -hmm. In Texas, he hops a different bus, which shoots him right through to Painted Hat, Oklahoma, where uh, he has a four-day hangover. (laughs) Shut up, boy, Uncle Baxter. You'll be seeing America through bloodshot eyes. (laughs) Four days? Well, can't you get me quicker connection? Why, sure, Uncle, certainly. I can reroute you to Wishing Well, Missouri, which will... Save you 20 minutes. Then, only three days later, we whisk you over to Pig's Eye, Kentucky. Pig's Eye. There's a place I always wanted to see. The Old South. Yep. And from Kentucky, the next jump is up the good old Mississippi River. Ain't that romantic? A bus up the Mississippi. Uh, Can he leave tomorrow? Sure, but it ain't a bus. It's a boat. I can't ride on a boat. I'd be seasick. Oh, why, just think of them moonlight nights on the Mississippi. With the banjos twanging and the nice cool glass of that crinoline. <laughs> Uncle Baxter, you'll be a new man when you get off the boat in Chicago. Riley, the Mississippi does not run through Chicago. Well, that's right. The boat takes you up to Cairo, Illinois. And get this, man. What? No waiting at all. I shoot you up the Ohio River on a launch. But, but, but. And in no time at all, you're safe and sound in Custis Cross in Missouri. <laughs> no crow ever flew like this. <laughs> no, but now you're in Custis Crossing. And don't forget, this trip is only $21. Yes, I know. But how, may I ask, do I get out of Custis Crossing? Hey, can you row a boat, Uncle? No, I cannot row a boat. I want a bus to you here to New York. New York? Ain't that kind of an out-of-the-way place? Look, I'm sorry, mister. We don't have any connections if I didn't cuss this crossing. Don't forget, there's a war going on. Then I'll wait till it's over. You can't do that. Uncle Buckley's waiting for you in New York. Riley, when you can offer me a direct route to New York, I will go. Until then, I will be forced to remain in your small and not-too-comfortable guest room. Ain't them relatives murder, Mr. Riley? Yeah. Yeah, he's been a grindstone on my neck for two years. Well, come here. What? Listen. For five bucks, I know a voodoo woman who'd sell you go-away powders. (laughs) (laughs) They're great on relatives. They are. Oh, no, thanks. Just the same. Why don't you just lock them out? I, I couldn't do that. You see, he'd done me a favor once. Two years ago, he gave me a pint of blood. Yeah. And ever since then, he's been taking it back drop by drop. And now back to the life of Riley. 24 hours have passed, but to Riley, it only seems like a year because Uncle Baxter is still on his hands. Don't take it so hard, Riley. Something may turn up. Uh, I don't know, Dumplin'. All day long at the plant, I couldn't get it out of my mind. 
I was working on a big bomber, and I kept thinking, if only I could smuggle that plane out of the plant, we could fly Uncle Baxter to New York. Smuggle out a big bomber? Daddy! <laughs> I know it's a nutty idea. Where are you going to get gas today? Huh? <laughs> It's mentioned in the paper. Oh, what's it say, Junior? It's in the social notes. It says, Baxter Turnbull, prominent West Coast magnate, will be super chiefing out of L.A. today to join his brother Buckley Turnbull, well-known New York industrialist. Super chiefing out. He ain't even bussing out. <laughs> Pop, what's this West Coast magnet? That's another name for Santa Monica Beachcomber. <laughs> Look at them suitcases of Baxter's. Standing there, so near the door, so near, and yet still here. Say, Pop, there must be some way to get Uncle Baxter out of town. Not a chance. One time I even thought of trying to mail him back. Oh, what an idea. He'd be covered with stamps. He wouldn't cost so much. Third class. He'd have to go first class. He's got writing on him. He's got memories of Mabel tattooed on his chest. Well, my dear children. Junior, hide your piggy bank. Here comes that West Coast magnet. <laughs> well, children, I've tried all day. Still no transportation. So if I stay a few more weeks, you won't think I'm imposing, will you? Well, since you can't get away, you're welcome to stay, Uncle Baxter. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you, Riley. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> Be serene, Riley. Count your blessings. Well, I'll unpack my bags again, eh? Call me when dinner's ready, won't you? Just unpack some pajamas and a toothbrush. I ain't giving up hope yet. <laughs> I sure thought next time them bags moved, I'd see them going the other way. Well, Bab, help me carry the dinner into the dining room, will you? Yes, Mother. You, Riley, it's me, Waldo Benny. Oh, hello, Waldo. Come on in. <laughs> hey, Waldo, how come that wife of yours let you out of the house? Riley? When you got a wife like mine, you got to use strategy. Yeah. This is the night she plays gin rummy with her Aunt Gussie. And you know what I did? No, what? This afternoon, I stole the ace, king, and jack. So they had to send me out for a new deck of cards. That's using the old noggin, Waldo. Oh, I've been doing that for almost a year now. <laughs> I always take different cards. Pretty soon, I'll have a whole deck of my own. And then I can play solitaire. <laughs> Waldo, when a man's outnumbered at his house, he gets to be pretty foxy, huh? Riley. Right. I came to offer my sympathy. Uh, I hear your uncle isn't leaving after all. Ah, uh, the seven-year itch is still with us. <laughs> Riley, I have a way to get your uncle out of town. Waldo, if you can show me how to get Baxter a trip to New York, I'll never forget you. I can do it. I'm an expert on traveling. On account of someday, I'm going to run away myself. What? I knew I could never get away on a train or bus. They'd nab me, sure. Yeah. So I've kept in touch with another way out. What way? Every day of the week, somebody drives back east. Last week, there were 17 departures by auto. This week, it fell off to 12, but then... Now, not, never mind how many went. Is there one more going? Yes. Yes. There's one going tonight, right through to New York. And there's room for one more passenger in that car, Riley. Waldo, that one more is going to be my Uncle Baxter. Go on, go phone the carpool. Tell him to come and pick up Baxter right away. Pleasure. Baxter, come in here. Hey, Babs, quick, come in. Junior, don't unpack that pajamas. Riley, what's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing, nothing. Everything's Jake. Uncle Baxter, goodbye. I, 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 I mean, listen, I got a way to get you to New York in a guy's car. Yes, but this is so sudden. Here you go, Riley. Hey, Pop, what's up? Daddy, what's happened? Hank, wish Uncle Baxter luck. He's leaving. I am. Junior, bring back his bags. He's leaving tonight. Okay. Babs, kiss your uncle goodbye. He's going any minute. Oh. Uncle Baxter, meet me. This is the smartest decision you ever made. 
event, and time is getting short, uh, this being a farewell beefsteak banquet, only with lamb stew, we all want to say goodbye to Uncle Baxter. I'll be the toast mixer. Uncle Baxter being guest of honor, we got to let bygones go by and say something nice about him, even if it ain't so. <laughs> okay. Now, now, first, I'm calling on a young lady who has been a member of this family all her life. I think she's kind of cute. I give you my favorite daughter, Miss Babs Riley. Oh, Daddy. I don't know what to say except, well, goodbye, Uncle Baxter, and, and we hope you have a great success in New York, and good luck, and... Oh, dear, I'm really going to miss you, Uncle Baxter. Huh. Oh. Babs, my dear, I, I'm touched, really. Nah, nah, no weeping until he gets in the car to go. <laughs> Here, Uncle, have a cigar. Thank you. Have two cigars, oh, one for the trip. Here, let me bite off the end for you, Uncle Baxter. You overwhelmed me, Riley. Now I don't feel like going at all. Then you better bite off the end yourself. <laughs> now, now the next speaker is a young man who is a gentleman and not much of a scholar. My favorite son, I give you Chester A. Riley, Jr. Well, uh, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking, I just want to say that what the last speaker says is what I want to say. Uh, especially goodbye, Uncle Baxter. <laughs> I mean, good luck, Uncle Baxter. <laughs> oh, wait, I ain't through yet. And I hope you make a million bucks with Uncle Buckley. Thank you, my boy. <clears throat> and in response, I can only... Wait a minute, it ain't your turn yet. <laughs> the next speaker is a lady who is not only Uncle Baxter's niece, but is the best cook in 48 states. My favorite wife. I give you Mrs. Peg Riley. <laughs> oh, dear. I... Well, Uncle Baxter, we... we've loved having you here with us, and we'll miss you terribly. And, and I wish you'd change your mind, Uncle Baxter, and stay here. And now the next speaker. <laughs> I am now introducing our guest of honor. He's a Harvard man on account of he was kicked out of Yale. <laughs> Your uncle and mine, I give you, and you can have him, back to the <laughs> Mr. Toastmaster, my dear friends, I am almost at a loss for words. However, since brevity is the soul of wit, I shall only say for all you've done for me, a thousand thanks. One for each meal. <laughs> and in appreciation, I have a little gift for each of you. A small expression of my deep affection. Here, Peg, oh, Riley, oh, Mab, oh, oh, Treasure them till we meet again at our reunion banquet in my penthouse in New York City. Oh, Uncle Baxter, you bought us all presents? Oh, well, gee, we, we didn't expect nothing like this. Oh, I, I've got mine unwrapped. What is it? Look, it's the picture of Uncle Baxter. Oh. <laughs> How nice. I, I wonder what mine can yeah, be. Yeah, why, mine's a picture of Uncle Baxter, too. Uh, uh, what's yours, Junior? A picture of Uncle Baxter. Just what I needed. <laughs> what's yours, Pop? What do you think? <laughs> Uncle Baxter, when we look at your mug, your absence will be missed. And now for my speech. I got a little poem which I wrote up out of my own head. This poem was wrote a year ago 
so as to be ready for this event when you finally moved out. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> Adios, Uncle Baxter. Time for us to part. There's a great big lump of sadness in the middle of my heart. Farewell, dear Uncle Baxter. It's time to say goodbye. But if you say you're going to stay, I'll poke you in the eye. Hey, Pop, there's a car out there. Yeah, come on, Baxter. Get his bags, Junior. Here's your hat, Uncle Baxter. No, no, no. We're not going to a fire. Here's your box. Come on, come on. I'm fooling at my sleeve. Get in, Uncle Baxter. One moment. Is this the car in which I am to travel 3,000 miles? A small convertible coupe? What's the difference? It'll be cozier. Oh, but Riley, it's crowded already. It's full of luggage and people. Plenty of room. Jump right in. Am I expected to sit on the lady's lap, sir? No, no, Baxter. You sit on the outside because you get off first at 42nd and Times Square. <laughs> All right, move over, Bessie. Get in, brother. Yeah, go on, get in, Baxter. I am endeavoring to wedge well, myself in, Riley. Huh. Madam, I am Baxter Turnbull. Ah, we got plenty of time to get acquainted. Shut the door, brother. I'll shut it. There you are, Uncle Baxter. Uh, here, hold your suitcase on your lap there. <laughs> okay, mister. Well, oh, goodbye, my Uncle Buckley. Or... Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, Uncle Baxter. Goodbye, Uncle Baxter. Hold your hat crossing the Rockies. Yeah. No use waving no more, Dumplin'. The car's out of sight. I'm going in the house now and count the rooms. <laughs> Riley, you know, it's, it's going to seem strange without him. Yeah. Listen. Ain't the house nice and quiet? And look, my Morris chair. Now any time I want to sit in it, I can walk to it without having to raise him for it. Oh, dear. I got to get acquainted with my Morris chair all over again. Good evening, Morris. My name's Riley. Remember me? Well, for goodness sake, talking to an old chair. Morris understands me, okay? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is living. He's gone. The leech who just dropped in for a couple of days and stayed two years. Peg. Peg the door. The door, he's back. Why, he can't be. He, he didn't like that car. He made them bring him back. I'll see who it is, Yeah, go ahead, Junior. Oh, hello. Relax, Pop. It ain't Uncle Baxter. Oh, boy, what a relief. Who is it, Junior? Who is it? <laughs> Why, Riley, it's me. Your old Uncle Buckley, fresh from New York. <laughs> Uncle Buckley? How in the a world... A little surprise for you, my dear children. I just dropped in to spend a couple of days with you. Uh, my trunks will be here in the morning. <laughs> ah, this is restful. Like, <laughs> look, already he's got my Morris chair. <laughs> Oh. 
All statements regarding the nutritional value of meat made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Now that you've finished supper, Uncle Buckley. Oh, excuse me, my dear niece. I'll just have another piece of your delicious pie. Mm. Another piece? Be serene, Riley. Count your blessings. Ah, ah wonderful wife you have. Wonderful pie she bakes. Uh, oh, but Uncle Buckley, you still haven't told us why you came to Los Angeles. Oh, that? Yeah. Well, the way I see it, New York is finished. Done. Soon it'll be a veritable ghost town. The future belongs to the Great West. Uncle Buckley, what about that million-dollar business you had in New York? What business? Oh, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Well, you see, my dear Riley, my correspondence in that concern was voluminous. Tremendous. When, When postal rates went up recently, it wiped out my entire reserve. Uncle Buckley, we might as well start right now. We can't invite you here with us more than a couple of days. We ain't gonna have room. Oh, my dear fellow, I'll just rough it in Baxter's old room. No, you won't, Uncle Buckley. The only reason we kept your brother Baxter in that room for two years, he'd done me a big favor once. He gave me a pint of his blood two years ago. His blood? It will interest you to know that four years ago, I gave Baxter a pint of blood. Yes, indeed. As I see it, you have my blood in your veins, nephew Riley. Hey, you hear that? For two years, Baxter's been making me pay for that blood. And all the time, he was nothing but the middleman. Uncle Baxter's gone, but it looks like Uncle Buckley will be an even sharper thorn in Riley's side. Follow The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix and sponsored by the American Meat Institute, next week at this same time. Uncle Baxter was played by Hans Conry. The program was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Cosmo. William Bendix appears by arrangement with Hal Roach. This is Ken Niles inviting you to share The Life of Riley once again next week. This is the Blue Network. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Great Gildersleeve, followed by the Lone Ranger. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.